Are you ready? Yeah. Are you with it? Yeah. Okay, let's go. You know what to do. The whole world's watching and counting on you. And all you people listening out there, everybody, everywhere. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Welcome to Checkered Past, a loving postmodern examination of the Go-Go Check branded comic magazines published by DC Comics between February 1966 and August 1967. I'm Dr. Bob, and each week I'll be your guide on this trippy tour through 535 mid-century masterpieces of graphic noveldom. This week, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, number 91. Cover date, March 1966. Cover price, 12 cents. Cover artists, Kurt Swan and George Klein. Edited by Mort Weisinger. Featuring The Dragon Delinquent. Written by Leo Dorfman. Art by Pete Costanza. And from Secret Hearts number 110, the girls' young romance true love story players present chapter one of Reach for Happiness. Are you ready? Are you with it? Then away we go-go. Jimmy Olsen returns to his hometown of Mapleton to infiltrate a teenage motorcycle gang. Another member of the gang, Chip, betrays Jimmy on his first mission, and Jimmy thinks his cover is blown. The gang sends Jimmy to commit another theft, and a man dressed as Quasimodo captures Jimmy. But Chip comes to the aid of the boy reporter. Chip is really Robin the Boy Wonder in disguise. Jimmy and Robin defeat Quasimodo and his gang. Then they learn that the stolen objects contained spy cameras which have been filming a secret government project. Jimmy and Robin return to the motorcycle gang to capture their boss. The gang cooperates and pretends to deliver the stolen objects to their boss, Mr. Trader. When Trader attempts to kill the boys, Superman steps in to save them. Jimmy then turns in the story to impress his new editor, Van Benson. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with lots of exciting information about juvenile delinquency in America. Now who's the man behind the man, behind the mighty Superman? Oh, who's the guy he can rely on? Right! Jimmy Olsen! Jimmy Boy! Jimmy Boy! Mama Olsen's pride and joy!
Here's Jimmy Olsen, he's a dragon on wheels. He's a delinquent, but don't worry, because he's only undercover as a reporter. Good job. Thanks, I'm working on that. We heard a song about Jimmy Olsen and it already. It was as good as that. Oh, I think I could do better. Well, is that, is that an original melody that you just made up? Um, define original? Not stolen from Speed Racer? Um, no. Okay. It's actually stolen from Speed Racer. Okay. But it fits this issue. It sure does. Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. Jimmy Olsen. Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. Yes. Is an American comic book series published by DC Comics from September, October 1954 until March 1974, spanning a total of 163 issues. Nice. Featuring the adventures of Superman supporting character Jimmy Olsen, it contains stories often of humorous nature. Okay. That's from Wikipedia. This isn't so, humorous. This this particular one isn't humorous. No, it's uh, adventurous, though. Yeah, it is. Great. I enjoyed it. Um, the comic began largely as a result of the popularity of the Jimmy Olsen character on the Adventures of Superman television series. Oh, I love that. As played by openly gay actor Jack Larson. Openly gay. Now? Yeah. Not then. Well, I think he's dead now. But... Um, <laughs> I can't believe I said that. Actually, he was fairly open then, which is why he didn't become a bigger star. Okay. Um, Kurt Swan was the main artist on the series for its first 10 years. Kurt Swan we've seen before in Superman and Associated Stories. Mm -hmm. And in fact, he does the cover art here. Mm -hmm. Many of the issues include Jimmy undergoing a transformation of some form, including a giant turtle. A gorilla, an elastic lad, in which form he would become a uh, alternative. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Um, Like a reserve member, reserve member of the Legion of Superheroes in the 30th century. Elastic lad. Yeah. Uh, Lucy Lane, younger sister of Lois, was introduced in issue number 36 as Jimmy's girlfriend. What kind of hair does she have? She's blonde hair. Okay. A blonde flip. We see her in this issue. Jack Kirby, who was instrumental in the Silver Age of Marvel Comics, yes. creating or co-creating the Fantastic Four, the Incredible Hulk, the Avengers, mm-hmm. etc., etc. Jack what? Kirby. Kirby. Came to DC Comics in 1970. Mm-hmm. He insisted on working on Jimmy Olsen Comics, mm-hmm. since it was the lowest selling in DC's publishing line. And without assigned talent at the time, so he would not cost someone else their job. And within the pages of Jimmy Olsen comics, he introduced many of his most memorable characters, notably the new gods, Darkseid, Project Cadmus. Darkseid. 
Yes, mm-hmm. good. He reintroduced the Newsboy Legion mm-hmm. and the Guardian. Mm-hmm. Guardian can be seen now in the uh, identity of Jimmy Olsen on the Supergirl television yes. series. which is a great series. We it enjoy is. that, don't we? We do. Jimmy was never the Guardian in the comics, but... It's okay. Nor was he African-American. Lois Lane was, though. Really? We can talk about that another time. Some other time. Go ahead. So, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, number 91, featuring Jimmy Olsen's most dangerous anti-crime role in The Dragon Delinquent. Yes. Fireball Jimmy Olsen. Now, the dragons are a motorcycle gang. Uh Uh-huh. You're a motorcycle enthusiast. I am. Have you dug up some information about motorcycle gangs in the 1960s? As a matter of fact, I have. Are you, <laughs> do you want to get into that might. now? Or? Well, let's dive into the story first. Okay, and then we'll come back to... Uh, once we once we start... Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll lead us into that uh, yeah, 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 research yeah. I've done once time comes. Um, cover, I like... Splash the, page. Well, I'm on the cover still, because okay, I like the cover. Yeah. Uh, the Dragon's Motorcycle Gang yes. is hanging around. Mm-hmm. Superman has Jimmy... By the collar. By the collar, elevated off the ground, saying, listen, punk, start talking about your capers and your motorcycle, you and your motorcycle mob pulled, or I'll pulverize you. And he says, you don't scare me, Superfink. I'm no stoolie. Any cat who stands up to Superman is A-OK with me. Let's sign Jimmy up for the dragons. So, what does stoolie mean? Uh, stool pigeon. Yes, and what does the term stool pigeon mean you know i don't know i mean i know that it means someone who's gonna uh rat out his friends well i was reading this and i just said you know i want to find out what that word means Mm -hmm. so it is a late 19th century term referring to the original use of putting a pigeon affixing a pigeon to a stool as a decoy to attract other pigeons so we use it in slang term as someone who um, is going to serve particularly to the police as an informant to uh, give away information about other people, other criminals. So they, they... so they would take a, a, a pigeon, yeah. attach it to a stool, and then other pigeons would come down and be attracted to it. I'm assuming that would be to trap the pigeons. What? Would they put it, use glue? How do they stick it? Probably, you know, kill a pigeon and stick it to a oh. to a, a stool. I don't, I don't know. I just, you know, that was the late 19th century practice. Oh, they were monsters. <laughs> hey, you know, they use uh, messenger pigeons, uh, uh, carrier pigeons, yep. uh, inside large cities and distances across the countryside. People still did that in the, in the mid-1900s, even. Well, I guess they didn't have pneumatic mail tubes traversing like the city. Not like the future. Right. Yes. In the 25th century. In the post-dystopian 25th uh-huh, century, uh-huh. when the... Robot uprising Millennials, not millenniums. Uh, the hipsters. Hipsters take mm-hmm. over, Yes. That's after the robot uprising. Yeah. Thank God there's no email in the 25th century. I should say, uh, that's half my day, is keeping up with Isn't email. Oh. I'm always behind with emails. Splash page. Splash page. You've seen Jimmy Olsen in hot soup before. Well, we haven't, because this is no. the first issue we're no. looking at. Up to his neck, but he really tackles trouble with a capital T. Big he... trouble with the capital T. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. When he takes on the job of infiltrating a teenage gang... Get set for action and surprises when the red-haired reporter has to pose as a hard-boiled hoodlum and turns in an Academy Award performance as the Dragon Delinquent. Mm-hmm. That's great alliteration. I love it. I really like this issue. So we see uh, on the splash page, Jimmy is tied to the clapper of a giant of bell, a giant bell, while Quasimodo, 
works a lever to uh, ring the bell mm-hmm. and bing bong Jimmy inside of the bell, which would either kill him or make him deaf immediately. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. We will. We, we, of course, it's a splash page, so we know we'll get to that in the future. Yeah. Uh, the art in this issue is by Pete Costanza, who is best known for his work in the 1940s on the original Captain Marvel. Okay. Of Shazam. What do you think of Pete Costanza's art? It's very old fashioned. It's very very reminiscent of the 1940s. Mm -hmm. Um, It was very well suited for Captain Marvel Mm. because that was a more of a lighthearted, cartoony strip. Mm -hmm. Um, This kind of puts me in mind of Kurt Schaffenberger, who did the artwork for the Lois Lane issue we looked at. Yeah. Except uh, Kurt Schaffenberger's. I like better. Hmm. I don't mind this art. No, it's not. It's not offensive. It's just uh, it's our last issue that you and I discussed um, was mystery House Jack of Mysteries, Sparling House of Secrets. Yeah, yeah, House of Secrets. Thank you. And, and I loved that. Yeah, and, that's and because fantastic. you could see the motion in all the characters on every page. It was so beautifully drawn. And this is uh, very static. Yeah, different. Yeah, um, it's funny because you know, how long have we been doing this? This, this, this is this, episode twenty. Episode twenty weeks we've been doing this, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And um, my appreciation for comics is growing with each week. <gasps> I know, right? Mission accomplished, Doctor Bob. It's true. It's true. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you can find something that I'm going to start to appreciate. Oh, you're going to teach me how to ride a motorcycle. That's so. true. Yes. You ready to turn the page? I yes. Okay, let's ready. go. So one, one afternoon. afternoon. Mm-hmm. Go on. Oh, as a swaggering loud invades the Daily Planet office. Okay, characters, take me to your leader. I want to see the editor. Oh, by the way, the editor of the Daily Planet in this issue is Van, Van Benson. Benson. You'll recall. <laughs> Do you remember from? Lo- yeah. <laughs> Was it Lois Lane that we it was it must have been Lois Lane. It was Lane. a Lois Lane comic where she had all the costume changes and all the all uh, right, 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 right. Yeah. So Perry White has temporarily been sent to Washington to be a senator. He was appointed by the governor. Appointed by the governor. Mm-hmm. He was flown in a morning coat and top hat by Superman. Yes. <laughs> that was a Lois Lane issue. Um so Van Benson is the temporary fill-in editor. Uh, at the Daily Planet, he's young, suave, pipe smoking, no nonsense kind of boss. No nonsense boss he's, with a gay mustache. Yeah, he's got uh, a real gay 1960s mustache. Um, so this is a nice continuity between titles, right? Yeah, They're keeping I like that. that the same. Mm-hmm. Now we do know from Lois Lane already that Van Benson is a secret agent who's been brought in for some reason. I can't remember why, but it had something to do with Lois Lane's disguises and. There's a lot going on. In Gotham. Nope. Oh, I'm sorry. No. I said Gotham. Oh, I said Gotham. I didn't mean that. Metropolis. Metropolis. Sorry about um, that. But I, 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 I don't know why I said Gotham, except that Batman will appear in this issue. Hey, don't bury the lead. Oh, okay. Um, but we don't, at, at this point in Jimmy Olsen, that has not been revealed yet. So Van right. Benson, still just the hard-boiled news editor, but young and attractive, because Lois Lane's going to be attracted to him. Surprise! I'm not a teenage delinquent. I'm Jimmy Olsen in disguise. He just takes off his hat and his goggles and 
everyone recognizes him now as Jimmy Olsen because nothing about his carriage, his the height, the hair that was poking out beneath the uh, the cap or his face gave him away to them at all. Let's remember that this is a newsroom full of people who don't realize the huge muscular hulking reporter in their midst is Superman because he's got a pair of glasses on. Okay, thank you. You're right. Um, Jimmy Olsen disguised as a teenage delinquent because he can go expose the teenage gang that's taken over Mapleton, Jimmy Olsen's hometown, it turns out. It's true. Because and he's holding uh, an issue of the Daily Planet that says Mapleton crime wave blamed on teen gang motorcycle toughs suspected in mysterious thefts. He wants to break this yeah. story. It must or be rather, a big he story. Wants, he wants to go. He wants go to go investigate, investigate because yeah. it's a, a full half page headline on the cover of the Daily Planet. Mm-hmm. They mean business. And Van Benson says. No, no way, forget it. After the way you flubbed the last two assignments, you're lucky if I let you sharpen pencils. Get lost, Olsen. Uh, next day, Jimmy pretends he's broken his hand. <laughs> I caught my right hand in the door of the refrigerator. Did that? Is that a thing that happened? Refrigerator refrigerator's... doors are pretty bulky back then. Yeah. I guess they were. I remember when you, there would be public service announcements and warnings to children. If you found an old abandoned refrigerator in the woods or in right. a quarry or something, right. you don't get inside because the door would lock from the inside and you couldn't get out. They locked from the outside and you could not get out from the inside. Yes. You'd suffocate. There's always stories of children suffocating yeah, inside it's refrigerators. True. Mm-hmm. They don't, that doesn't happen nowadays, does it? Well, we don't just like walk down to the end of the street and dump our old refrigerator in some abandoned lot. Right. Yeah. Which There's used that. to happen all the time. Oh, I know. Yeah. So Jimmy Olsen comes in with a hand bandage and tells him that he's hurt his arm in the refrigerator. Yep. Van Benson says, Bah, you're useless around here anyway, Olsen. Take a week's sick leave. Olsen goes downstairs. Why didn't he just fire him if he's that useless? I don't know. No, we'll give you some paid time off. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> uh, so Jimmy's on his way to Mapleton. Yes. To get the scoop of the year. He stops on the outskirts at Happy Harry's used cars, trucks, and motorcycles. motorcycles. Lucky break for him. Yes. Hey, can I just leave my car here and rent this motorcycle? Sure. How about a hundred bucks? Can that? I wouldn't mind doing that. What? Leaving your car someplace for a week? Just go to like Younger Toyota and say, hey, can I leave my car here and borrow another one? Sure, no problem. Well, you'd have to pay for it. It's called renting a car. Well, a hundred bucks a week. I can handle that. Now, let's... Go and talk about a couple of things. Yes. Okay, so now we know that Jimmy Olsen is going to be taking a, a week of paid leave yep. from his job, and yep. he's going back home to Mapleton to investigate this teenage motorcycle gang. Yep. So I got curious. Yep. I wanted to know, of course, we know about you know uh, motorcycle gangs, and um, I wanted to know a little bit more about motorcycle gangs and how they got started. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll start with this. Um, according to an FBI 2013 National Gang Report, they said that this is the, in 2013, this was the makeup of gangs. 88% of, according to the FBI report on National Gang, uh, National Gang Report of 2013, 88% of gangs were street gangs, mm-hmm. 9.5 were prison gangs, and 2.5% were motorcycle gangs. Now, I wanted to know, where did they start? So here's the story. After World War I, millions of young men returned home and struggled to reacclimate to civilian life. Okay. Um, due to a combination of affluence and post-war pensions and a need for camaraderie, a lot of young men 
purchased motorcycles and joined the American Motorcycle Association and began to uh, to spend time together. Um, and they also had motorcycle races and such around that time. And they would form these groups of people with similar interests. The formation of the pop culture image of um, of the bike gangs started with an incident in Hollister, California on July 4th, 1947. Are you with me? Yep. So um, after an American Motorcyclist Association race outside of town, a group of cyclists got drunk and they engaged in a real minor disturbances, a little bit of loot, a little bit of, just, it's a just minor disturbance. It's really nothing big, right? Right. Um, and there were photographs taken by a reporter from the San Francisco Chronicle. Life magazine ran a story on this evening, this July 4th, 1947 evening, post-races, bike gangs hanging out. There was a photograph of a guy taken drinking on a motorcycle, and he's got a bunch of broken beer bottles at his feet on the base of his motorcycle. That cemented the popular image of bikers as degenerates and hooligans with that Life article. So in the late 1960s and 70s, outlaw clubs began transferring into organizational uh, crime operations right. operations um, and now there I mean there are a lot of bike gangs but there are four traditional bike gangs and they are the Hell's Angels mm -hmm. which was formed in 1948 I've heard of them the Banditos formed uh, founded in 1966 they are enemies of the Hell's Angels the Outlaws founded in 1935 also the enemies of the Angels and the Pagans, founded in 1959. The Pagans are the most secretive of the four big bike chapters, um, not publicizing their members, and not, they don't have an international membership. And finally, there's a newer group called the Mongols, which is a Latino gang formed based in Los Angeles. And that's a more recent thing. There's, there's traditionally always been the big four, right. and now there's another one started. So that is a little bit of history of, of bike gangs. I did a do, little. Do, 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 do. Now I did a little bit more research. Okay. Okay, because I thought you might be interested in this. So I'm just going to take a quick little side jaunt into. Uh, now I have a question. Yes, go ahead. What about is this? What's this instant? Is that what Marlon Brando? That Marlon Brando movie is based on uh, the Wild Rebel One. Rebel Without a Cause. No, that's James Dean. Oh. Wild One. Uh, um, who's this? Steve McQueen. What's he doing? Riding a motorbike. That's right. In November of 1966, Steve McQueen uh, uh, tested bikes and wrote an article for Popular Science. I was curious because, I, of course, I own a Honda. Yeah. I have owned a Kawasaki and a Harley yeah. in my life. And I am looking at the possibility of acquiring an Indian in the next few years or perhaps a, um, an older um, victory. But mm -hmm. victories aren't made anymore. No. So, but we're looking at the Indians. I'm not interested in a Harley right now. Um, so I thought, what bikes were popular in 1966? And these were, now, of course, I recognize the Triumphs. Triumph bikes, Triumph Bonneville. Oh, sure. Who doesn't? So Steve McQueen wrote an, an article for Popular Science. Here he is right here. Right here. Yep. There's a great picture of him. Now, right is Steve McQueen a scientist? No, he's an actor. Well, yes, but... He's writing for Popular Science instead of, say, well, Rolling a, Stone or yes. Well, he's an Starstruck avid, magazine. He's an avid motorcyclist. Mm -hmm. He tested the Triumph Bonneville, the BSA Hornet, the Norton Matisse, a Honda, a Spanish import called the Montesa, and a Greaves Challenger. 
Um, and then he wrote about, and all these bikes have smaller engines than the bike that I own now. So that's yeah, just these a, bikes in this comic are small. They remind me of those Nazi motorcycles in Indiana Jones. Yeah, these probably have about, okay, so right now I have a motorcycle that is a um, 750. And that's kind of a smallish kind of bike for a guy my size. It's yeah. not, um, uh, and that refers to the engine size. And, and these bikes were probably around the, the 440s, 4, 450s. Now, you say it's small for your size. Is that because you're so tall and muscular? I, I wish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's just, it, that, those are two factors. Remember, uh, you're yes. on, not on video, so yes. nobody has to no, know. No, it's just, uh, it, you know, it's, it has to do with um, how much power the bike has, how fast it is, how much, and, and the frame of the bike as well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I hope I haven't bored your listeners, but I wanted to give them a little bit of pop culture context. Well, they're your listeners, too. Oh, that's so kind of you. Well, it's true. Yes, you our were listeners. sorely missed, I've heard, from fans <laughs> when you were gone. Um, I did call in, didn't I? You did. When Damn It was By here. accident. Yeah. Anyway. I didn't even know that you guys are recording. Back at Mapleton High. Here we go. Jimmy Olsen is a jerk. Yeah. First Look of all, the flower beds. he rides his motorbike through the flower beds. Look at that scowl on that girl's face down there with the books in her arms. She's not happy with she him. She looks severe. Now, the local gang here is the Dragons. The Dragons! Led by Rockets Reagan. Like his name. Uh, but Jimmy comes in, not in a Dragon's jacket. He's got a fireball on his the back of his jacket, and a, some kind of a giant belt. Is that, what is is that, that a co- motorcycle paraphernalia? I, I've never seen one like that worn, but, the, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm not really big into 1960s I mean, it looks like a wrestling... What's that called? It looks belt like or a, a giant cummerbund or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, yeah, weightlifter's belt. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe that was it, a thing? it's made of metal or gold? Uh, it looks or, like it's made of gold. Maybe it's painted leather. Uh, could, I guess. Do they paint leather? I don't know. Anyway, he hops off his bike, meets the principal, and says, Hey, Pops, I'm Fireball Jimmy Oliver, a new kid in town. Dr. Warren is the principal's name. He leads Jimmy into his office where it's revealed that Dr. Warren knows all about Jimmy Olsen. And I why know he's you. There. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's well aware that Jimmy's come undercover to break open the teenage delinquent gang. Jimmy, as an old graduate of Mapleton High, I knew you'd help get the goods on those teenage toughs. You were one of my most promising students. I still treasure the picture of your graduating class. I love what he says. This old home week routine is kicks, Dr. Warren. But what's the scoop on that gang called the Dragons? I, I just read that very stilted. Sorry about that. But I was trying to, I love that he says kicks. It's kicks. There's so much slang woven into their narrative. Well, he's, Jimmy's hardly out of high school himself. Yeah, well. Um, Dr. Warren reveals that the dragons are suspected of stealing unusual objects, such as a flagpole ornament, a beacon from a radio tower, and a statue from the museum roof. Well, Jimmy's going to get busy, and he starts by going undercover into science class. Like 21 Jump Street. It's just like 21 Jump Street. Mm -hmm. I forgot all about that show Uh until just now. Johnny Depp had the best hair. 
on he that show. He still has pretty good hair. Yeah. But he's kind of a jerk. There was, I don't remember all the actors on that show. I just remember Johnny Depp. And Johnny was, Depp. Uh, there was Peter was one of the Deloise boys. There was a, an Asian actor who was really good. Um, um, I think it was Korean. I don't yeah. Right? right? Yes. He and Johnny Depp were in a competition for the best hair. Right. Yeah. Well, you can have... And I don't remember any of the Peter female Deloise. actors on that show. Do you? No. Isn't that funny? That's bad, I guess. I, it's bad. Sorry, ladies. Uh, but we're in the 60s now, so we're allowed to... All right, to so... so uh, Jimmy is going to um, uh, science class, and he needs to create a perception that he is an outlaw or he's, right. a, he's a hoodlum. So he uses the can of luminous paint, which happens to be open there in the classroom. I'm not clear how he was able to draw that in the, in the, the span of the second between walking into the room when she's standing at the projector ready to turn it on. Right. And the lights go out, and all of a sudden there's a painting that he's made. He's made a luminous, uh, cruel caricature of Miss Starling, the science teacher, um, on the chalkboard with luminous paint. I guess it was while she had her back turned to start the science movie on he the projector. He must have been a star student in the art department. Uh, I'll say. That's why he went into reporting and photography. Mm-hmm. Um, so Say, you could have been a cub reporter. You know, I did write for the Neighborhood Weekly did in you? my youth. Sure. The Grandview Tattler? Uh, it was the This Week News. Oh. This Week. Uh, I took my own pictures, too. Did you? Yes. Because I worked in a photo lab, a one-hour photo lab. So I could take my own shots and go to work and develop them and then turn in my story with pictures. Well, Dick Tracy! <laughs> Those days we didn't have digital photography or no, anything, of or even computers. I had a, a dedicated word processor in my bedroom, <laughs> and I'd have to type up the story, and I couldn't see on the screen what it would look like printed. I would type it and then save it to disk drive, a floppy disk, uh-huh. and then I'd have to print it out on that paper with the holes on the sides. Yes, and it would take a. 14 hours to print a dot a matrix printer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And then I'd get my story and turn it into the, drive it down to the office, turn Collect it into a the shiny editor. quarter. It was about a quarter of, <laughs> yeah. Um, Jimmy <laughs> gets sent to the principal's office, which is fine because the principal's in on it. And uh, heads on down to the hot dog stand where you can get a hot dog for 15 cents. Yeah. It's the hangout for the dragons. He's got to make a big impression. So he meets up with the dragon fellows. Chip is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, goes up to see Rocket Reagan. Rocket Reagan tells Chip to knock Jimmy down to size. So Chip, first of all, goes after a wad of money that Jimmy has. Finds that Jimmy's got a mouse trap in his back pocket. As one How does. How is that going to work? Oh, well, I... Has he been sitting on a mouse trap all day? He's had it in his back pocket the whole time, apparently, and just waiting for someone to snap that wad of cash out of his back pocket. <sighs> okay. That tears it. Chip is going to take down Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy's been brushing up on his judo technique, so... He's, he's ready for it. Yep, he's going to try to take it easy on poor old Chip. Except that Chip has the upper hand. Chip is bouncing him around like a rubber ball. Yeah. You're out of your league, hot shot. He sure was. Um, 
Chip is mad because Jimmy stole his girlfriend, who literally Jimmy had made eye contact with the waitress at the hot dog stand. You know how boys can be. I guess. I don't really. Yeah. I've never been in a fight over a girl. I'm Have making a you? note. Nope. Oh, notes. This is really... You bumped up your game, taking notes. Well, don't stop. Come on, keep going. I'm not stopping. So, uh, Chip and Jimmy got into a fight, and then who's this guy? Um, Reagan. Reagan. Rockets Reagan Rockets is taking Reagan. over the argument. He's like, hey, Chip, don't, you know, don't hurt Jimmy. Let's uh, make him prove that he can be a member of our game. We'll put him to some tests. Yeah. Soon, on an abandoned road, with a brick wall in the middle of it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> abandoned road with a brick wall in the middle of it. So they order Jimmy to ride. He's playing chicken with a brick wall, essentially. Ride as fast as he can. As fast as he can. Don't put on the brakes to the last minute. Unfortunately, Chip has fiddled with the brakes. And Jimmy has to go. He does, is unable to brake. And Can't he go, break. And he has to go right through the brick wall. Which, luckily, was a movie prop all along with bricks made of plastic. Yeah. Jimmy. Because when a movie's wrapped up, they always just uh-huh. leave, leave the props behind. Well, you know, famously, the set of... Uh, was it Cleopatra that they made a silent movie and the set just stayed out in the desert for years and years and you could still find pieces of it out there? Really? Yeah. Um, Jimmy knew it was not a real brick roll because he didn't see cement in between the bricks. Yes. I guess. I mean, I read that he, he said that. Well, I, I knew that, that was, you know, there was no cement. But, I mean, really? Did you see that from far away when you're sitting on your motorcycle? Did you see that? Well, and in fact, as he's heading toward the wall, he's thinking desperately that I'm going to slam right into that wall. He's not thinking it's a fake brick wall he's thinking i'm gonna die yeah he really is so he's not really telling us the truth or what's going on here right next test in the dragon's clubhouse (laughs) they've got jimmy under a headlamp yeah they want him to describe his crimes confess all of his crimes yes well I sprayed paint on a park statue and stole watermelons from a farmer and... He gets shaken. Suddenly he's being violently shaken from behind. <laughs> it's Superman. Talk up, pipsqueak. Tell me what capers you've pulled and who helped you or I'll pulverize you. Superman, you don't scare me. I'm no stoolie. I've stolen three cars, stuck up a filling station, and robbed a supermarket too. But I won't squeal on my pals. I feel like even those crimes are not exactly what the dragons were looking for. I think they were probably were looking for murder or something. I don't think these guys are into that kind of Well, crime. you know how delinquents are. It's a slippery slope. Once you start robbing the filling station, murder's next. It's more of a gateway drug, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 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 Nuts to you, blue drawers. Well, his drawers are red. Why do they call them blue drawers? I don't know. Anyway... Turns out it's not Superman at all. I didn't think it was. Superman doesn't talk like that or shake people to death. Um, it's only a Superman robot that the dragons have laying around the clubhouse. <laughs> Just, you know, hey, everyone. Who put the robot? Has anybody seen the robot? The magnificently lifelike Superman robot that also has super strength and powers. The only thing it can't do is fly. Right. Or have x-ray vision. So it's useless, essentially. Essentially. Super strength and speed, but can't fly, so... The, the uh, criminal who commissioned the building of the robot just gave it to a teenage motorcycle gang because it couldn't fly. Yeah. If it can't fly, it's useless. Yeah, it's you kids a, take this. It's useless. Just a pile of nuts and bolts to me. 
uh, Traitor is the name of the super criminal who is also the head of the teenage delinquent gang. Spelled T-R-A-I-T-O-R, just like it sounds, yeah. just like it's spelled. Um, um, nothing clever about that. Traitor had enough money to commission the building of a lifelike Superman robot with powers except for flight and supervision, but also is controlling a teenage gang that steals things off the tops of radio towers. Yes. I'm just putting that out there. Um, they send Jimmy and Chip now. His minder. His first real heist. Mm-hmm. He's going to steal a weather vane from the top of the Swarthmore Apartments. Yes. Uh, Chip and Jimmy are climbing up the side of a building. Yes. Isn't that cool? Kind of like you'd see a, a Batman doing or Batman yeah, Robin doing. Yeah, the Batman television show, mm-hmm. which reminds me, there's an ad in the back of this comic for the coming of the Batman television show, which is starting right just about the time that this comic is published. Oh, cool. Anyway, Chip and Jimmy make it up to the penthouse. Where who do they find? Mm. Miss Starling from the school. Only now, she's taken off her glasses and her rearranged her dowdy hair into a beehive. Glamorous sort of thing. updo. Also, she's a teacher. How does she afford to live in a penthouse apartment? Uh, maybe her family has money. Maybe she's teaching just because it's a noble profession. Okay, do people do that anymore? Mm-hmm. Um. Miss Starling is all dolled up. She knows Jimmy. I don't know any teachers that live in penthouses. No. I don't think we ever did. <laughs> it's like that professor in the Superboy story, remember? Who yes. had the two-story penthouse apartment yeah. with a lab inside? Yeah, yeah. that, can't that never happen. happened. Um, the school doesn't like her to wear perfume and high-fashion clothes. <laughs> But while when she's she... working, but in her private penthouse, she can be the she... kind of glamour gal who appeals to Jimmy, Jimmy Olsen. You know my real name? But Natch. Apparently, she's also a graduate of Mapleton. Mm-hmm. She remembers Jimmy from school. She was uh, a nobody in high school, so he didn't recognize her. That's why. Yeah. But um, she recognizes him, and she knows he's a reporter, and she acts like she's in on the whole situation Mm -hmm. mr dr warren told her all about it jimmy gets busy with uh stealing the weather vane which he does he returns to the penthouse because she's going to make him dinner Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah i don't quite understand that like so so he goes up the building yeah okay uh with um what's the kid's name uh chip chip right and he and Chip leaves him there, mm-hmm. and then he encounters his teacher, yeah, who's not his teacher, right, 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 right. Mrs. Starling, Miss Starling, Miss Starling, Starling. Mm-hmm. has a chat with her. She she says, "By the way, I know who you really are." So he said, "You know what? I need to go get this weather vane. Let me go get the weather vane. Weather vane. Okay. By the way, let me make you dinner. Mm-hmm. What's Chip supposed to be doing during this time? I guess he left oh he did, did was leave. was so it, i'll leave now that was, is if you think you can finish the job by yourself oh where did where did you see Top that panel on uh, page nine. Oh, i see that now okay yep. okay okay so th- there was no one waiting for him to to grab no, the, no. the weather vane and come down okay no, no, no. okay um so turns out miss starling has ordered dinner from the club royale mm. send up dinner for two mm-hmm. um they're calling to check on the order so he picks up the phone and uh, 
gas comes out of the receiving end of the phone. Yeah. And knocks him unconscious. Yeah. When he comes to, the apartment is stripped of all furnishings, carpet. All that's left is a mirror and his cap. It's a lot of work. A lot of work for a ruse. It is. He must have been out for a long time. I mean, to take the carpeting. How long Everything. would that take? I don't know. Look at that. It's wall-to-wall wall wall carpet. carpet. They literally stripped. To the floorboard. And so they, they picked him up, pulled the carpet out from under him, and then put him back down on the floor. Yeah. Anyway, the weather vane is gone. They're asking us to, to just accept a lot. Yeah. Aren't they? Well, this is a Superman comic. As we've seen, you turn the page, you never know what's going to happen next. Okay. Next day, Jimmy gets to school. Overhears Miss Starling talking to Chip, talking to Chip, and giving him the weather vane. Mm-hmm. Here, Chip Olson fell for it like a fat man in a room full of banana peels. <laughs> oh my God, I fell for it because that's something that happens all the time. A fat man in a room full of banana peels. Whoa! 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Trust me, that wouldn't end up well for me. <laughs> so I think you'd be able to negotiate through a room with banana peels on the floor. The question is, yes. did the fat man eat all the bananas by himself I, I and no then toss the peels at the floor? Just a stupid figure of have speech. Have you ever actually seen anyone slip on a banana peel? Or have you ever been in danger of slipping on a banana peel yourself? I want to say that probably once in my life I might have slipped on a banana peel, but maybe it was a gag. I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, like, you, it'd be something you'd have to do on purpose, like, just to test it it's out, It's pretty right? slim. I mean, yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not like... Don't putting a the rind of a watermelon on the floor for God's sake. And it's not like, I mean, I feel like if you're walking and there's a banana peel on the floor, that's going to draw your attention. Yeah, it's such it, an unusual. It's just a comedic thing. technique, and it's something that's it's woven its way into our culture in, in such a way that we we probably think it happens more often than it does. I'm going to Google that later to see how often it's actually happened. <laughs> okay. You know what else I bet has never happened? Fireball. What has a stewardess ever had to land a plane? Like, have the, all the pilots gotten sick and someone had to go in the cockpit and be talked to down? Like in Airplane, one of the greatest movies ever made? Yeah, or like on Laverne and Shirley, when oh, they had to land the plane. I don't remember that. Yes, Laverne and Shirley were, I think, undercover as stewardesses or something. And they had to <laughs> Undercover. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> or they had taken temporary jobs. Anyway, they were stewardesses and they got on the plane and the, some pilot got sick. And, you know, they had to get on the radio and somebody had to talk them down, yeah. teach them how to land the plane. Mm. First of all, I don't think I could do that, and I'm pretty smart. Mm. Do you think you could just be talked through landing a plane? I Well, I, would, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it seems to happen all the time in the old time in the movies. I mean, I, I, that scenario seemed to have occurred often in the 1970s right. television shows. Well, I think it's like the banana peels. I wonder if it ever really happened in real life. Or I'm it's sure just it's happened. created fictionally. Mm. You blew the job, Fireball, but now you have your last chance. Do you this read is, me? This is at the gang headquarters yep. now. That character Chip has fouled me up for the last time. So he knows now that Chip knows that he's Jimmy Olsen undercover. Yes. So we're now back in the headquarters. This is this is where I start to get a little like um, little miffed right, at the story he, because Chip is sitting there. He knows that Chip knows that he's Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. Jimmy is tr- still trying to become a member of this gang, disclose or, or, or to, to figure out exactly what's going on mm-hmm. with the crimes. Right. I think the, the we're in danger of having everything be exposed right now. Right. Aren't I mean, we? Well, yeah. 
if one person in the gang knows who you are, then everyone should know. Everyone should know, right? And they may be sending you to your death or something. It doesn't make sense because I mean, going back to, to for our listeners, just one panel over, we had um, we had Miss. Um, Miss Starling. Starling talking to Chip and saying, here, Chip, Olsen fell for it like a fat man in a room full of bananas. Yeah. So Jimmy Olsen's teacher, who knows that she's Jimmy Olsen, that he's Jimmy Olsen, is speaking to a member of the gang. Right. Yeah. And he, yes. So his next job is to swipe a gargoyle from, from the famous Mapleton replica. replica of Notre Dame Cathedral. Sorry, Notre Dame. Notre, what the hell? Uh, it's a tourist attraction on Continental Square in the middle of Mapleton. A copy of the real Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. Uh, that checks out. Why wouldn't there be that in Mapleton? A copy of the real Notre Dame Cathedral. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, there's a copy of the Acropolis in Nashville, and there's a copy of uh, George Washington's house, Mount Vernon, in the middle of West Virginia. It's a private home, though. It's not a tourist attraction. What else are there copies of? There's an Eiffel Tower at King's Island and King's Dominion amusement parks. Okay. It could happen. It could happen. Only 50 cents for a guided tour with Quasimodo of the imitation Notre Dame. That's a bargain. It is, considering that he just rented his motorcycle for $100. It's a huge part. Uh, Yeah. He's probably out of money. Climbs up the bell tower with the tour group led by Quasimodo. Hangs back so that he can steal a gargoyle, chip it away. But Quasimodo catches him. Mm -hmm. Quasimodo uh, watches helplessly as Jimmy chips away the gargoyle and drops it towards the street. And then reveals that he's not a hunchback after all, but has a fake hunch in which he has uh, a hypno gun. a, A gun that shoots hypno shells. Which is just flashing light. Flashing light that will hypnotize someone. So, question. Yeah. Jimmy Olsen has just lost consciousness twice within 24 hours. Uh-huh. Yep. How much brain damage might he have experienced from this? Um, the first time was gas from the phone. The first mm-hmm. time was gas from the phone yep. in which yep. they had enough time to strip an apartment of everything, but down almost down to the drywall on the floor. Yeah. And the next time is this hypno ray. Yeah. Um, I don't know the answer to your question. And he wakes up inside a bell. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just suspect that it's a lot. I suspect there's going to be more because now he's tied to the clapper of the bell. Mm-hmm. And uh, also Quasimodo calls it the tongue. Is that correct? The correct term? I always call it a clapper. I don't know. Uh, more Google research. For me to do. I did my research already. Yes. Well done. Thank Thank you. you. You're welcome. Um, You're wasting your time. He tells Quasimodo, the gargoyle is long gone. He's starting to be rung inside the bell. Now, this is my favorite artwork in the hall. I was going to say that, too. You beat me there. Faces. These are great. Look at that one, uh, the face, the the helpless melty face there at the top left. That's great. And then when he's... uh, the third panel, clong. Oh, he just looks so miserable. Um, if only Superman could save him. Meanwhile, down on the street, Quasimodo has joined uh, 
some other fellows looking we, for the gargoyle. They can't find it. Right. There's no sign. It dropped out the window, but then disappeared. Meanwhile, up in the bell tower, who's there to rescue Jimmy but Chip? Okay. His old nemesis. Um, just in the nick of time, because the bell would have blasted his brains out. Um, if you hadn't made the scene, Chip, or should I say... Robin, the boy wonder. Right. So Chip, uh, uh, Robin has a mask on um, and is is disguised as Chip. Yeah. But Jimmy knows it's Robin. Right. Yes. Because only Batman's pal Robin can climb like you did. Uh, Besides, I heard you talking to Rena Starling. She told you who I was, yet you didn't squeal to the dragons. That proved you were my friend. Mm -hmm. Well, again... We're only learning this information now. If we could have had a thought balloon before Jimmy saying, I'm not worried. Yeah. I know. It's, and because this would be a good chance for the editor to say, did you guess the truth, reader? And we would have <laughs> actually had a clue that we could have pieced together if we were clever uh, enough. Someone else wrote this. But we're not that clever. No, we aren't. They, now client, they repel down the side of the building. Couldn't they just go back down the steps that they came up? Well, it might take more time, and it might be faster just to go down, repel. And so they repel down the building, and then they're they're in the back seat. In the back seat of the car on the street, the Superman robot, who Jimmy has programmed with his signal watch to catch the gargoyle as it fell out the window. The Superman robot is cradling the gargoyle. Mm -hmm. Crouched down in the back seat of the car. Well, that solves that mystery. Here comes Quasimodo and the gang, but Robin and Jimmy uh, take them on handily and make their way to the Bat Cave. Okay, so I need to stop. Yeah. So we now, because we know that Chip was actually Robin, or rather yeah. Robin was was, be, was disguised as Chip. Yep. When Jimmy Olsen was beaten up by Chip when he was first introduced to the gang back at the hot dog stand. Uh-huh. Um, that was actually Robin yeah. using his advanced judo techniques on him. Yes. Which brings me to the question. Everyone accepted that Robin was Chip. Who was? Wh- rather, where is Chip? Are we to assume that Robin was always Chip and that he became a member of the gang as Chip? Or did Robin capture and imprison Chip and assume his identity. That doesn't sound like something Robin would do. I'm just assuming that he was Chip all along and just infiltrated the gang as Chip in disguise. So now we're seeing that, because they go to the Batcave, right? Right. We're starting to see that Jimmy Olsen is inside. He's not yet become a member of this gang, but Robin has. Right. Who's perfectly capable of solving all these problems on his own, right? Right. Jimmy Olsen is surrounded by superheroes. Mm-hmm. The story is taking place around him. He is not really moving the story forward. Right. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. Once we get Robin involved, and now the next panel we've got Batman and Superman, I'm just thinking, why the hell is Jimmy there? Well... To give us a lens into it? Could be. I mean, it could be he's the perspective character. Uh... I mean, all this was happening regardless of whether Jimmy arrived or not. Jimmy just took off on his own to, uh, to investigate to this. Investigate, right? Robin was already a, a member of the gang. Right. Well, Jimmy didn't know that. No. I guess what they're saying is like, we really didn't need Jimmy to bring this story alive. No. But 
nobody else was covering the story in Batman comics or anything, right? I yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just... I mean, once once we saw, you know, it just bothered me. Like once we saw Robin as a member of the gang already, and then now we're getting, hey, look, it's Superman, and it's it's Batman. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, okay, you know, where's the where's the Superman robot, by the way? Oh, they put it back in the closet at gang headquarters. Mm. Um, look, so many things happen in the world. This right? story is kind of falling apart here at the end. Um, Robin infiltrating a delinquent teenage gang is pretty run of the mill stuff. It probably would, this story would not have been chronicled except for the involvement of Jimmy Olsen. Okay. That's my take on it. Well, I'm just going to take a deep breath. Yes. Because we're almost through the story. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, I'm not really irritated by it. I thought I had a pretty weak ending. It's not the greatest. What is the greatest is this aircraft that they've just uncovered film of. (laughs) So what the gang was stealing were unusual objects that littered around town that had cameras hidden inside. Right. Because apparently Mapleton has an air force field or something, there were a secretive, uh, top secret aircraft buzzing around Mapleton. In fact, we saw one from the Notre Dame Tower. And the weather vane and the gargoyle and all the other things have spy cameras in them, and there and it's been secretly photographing all of this. This, uh, this top new secret top secret aircraft. Aircraft. Um, because Trader is a traitor for real. Yeah. He planted spy cameras in all those tall buildings in order to photograph experimental planes at the nearby Air Force Base. We could see the planes flying from Notre Dame Tower. Why did he need to just go and tour Notre Dame Tower and take the picture? Anyway, this is some aircraft. It's a plane that uh, dives towards the ocean, splits apart, and turns into an aircraft carrier with amazing weapons because that's a useful thing to have is it i guess you know i i mean it's i I mean how often do you need to fly an aircraft carrier from one part of the world to the other right well it's like the marvel comics shield helicarrier which is a giant helicopter aircraft carrier yeah also not practical no so heavy how would it fly Batman had apparently assigned Robin to infiltrate the dragons. Uh, when he, when Robin saw Jimmy Olsen, now bear in mind, Jimmy Olsen and Robin are friends. Mm-hmm. In fact, Jimmy Olsen knows their secret identities, Batman and Robin's secret identities. Okay. Um, Robin knew that Jimmy was risking his life, so he tried everything he could to discourage him. The gang, Superman, Batman, Robin, and Jimmy Olsen, head toward the dragon headquarters to fill them in on what they had been stealing and the fact that Trader is trying to steal secrets from the U.S. government. And Rocket's Dragon, Superman, I admit we were foolish punks, but nobody's going to con us into selling out our country. Wow. Good for you, fellas. So the dragons now, led by Robin, in his costume. In his costume. Important. Now, they, Rob, there's no there's no element of surprise whatsoever, right? When Robin is riding up, leading the well, gang on his costume, Robin also costume. strikes fear into the hearts of criminals. Okay, presumably. Mm-hmm. Now you're a motorcycle enthusiast. Yes. 
Is Robin's costume of short sleeves and bikini trunks, is that practical for riding a motorcycle? It's practical if he is able to jump off of his bike at any moment when uh, when he's about to dump his bike and recover. Okay. Because well, um, because if even at 20 miles an hour, if he were to dump his bike, he would have severe road rash and probably a broken limb. Mm-hmm. So no, it's not. Okay, well, he's an acrobat, a circus acrobat. So yeah, but probably I mean, that compensates a little bit. I would think, except that, you know, one going even 20 to 30 miles an hour, mm-hmm. uh, falling on the ground... If you if you're an acrobat, you can't really react that quickly. Okay, how about a cape flapping behind you as you're riding? Is that well, as long good? as it's not caught, and, you know, it doesn't come loose and gets caught in something, okay, okay, which okay. could strangle him. It's a know? short cape, so that's yeah. probably okay. A capelet. It's not gonna uh, create any drag or anything. Oh no, no, really? nothing significant. No. Wow. Okay. I had dumped a bike once. Yeah, and I, I rolled know. about uh, probably going about thirty miles per hour. Okay, yeah. were you wearing bikini shorts? I no, I was wearing uh, jeans and um, maybe even a jacket. I'm not quite sure. How about a giant metal wrestling belt? <laughs> I definitely wasn't wearing one okay. of those, but that might have helped my back if I had. Good point. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why Jimmy's wearing it. Mm. Mystery solved. They head over to Trader's house. The Trader is a giant. Great big fat man wearing a three-piece suit, of blur, course, blur, because blur. he's uh, he's flying uh, flags from every nation, right? Because he flies all flags, but I'm loyal to no one but myself. <laughs> you got a, a clever question. Uh, I fly all flags, but I'm loyal to no one but myself. That's a good villain voice. Thank you. Uh, he whips out a machine gun from I cannot turn the page for some reason. Here we go. Uh, luckily, yes. Superman. 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 I'm cooked. (laughs) (laughs) Keep cool, boys. I had my eye on this weasel. My invulnerable body will stop these bullets. That's not what Superman sounds like. I'm so sorry. That was keep cool, boys. I've had my eye on this weasel. My invulnerable body will stop these bullets. That's better. Yeah. Uh, Superman. I'm cooked. (laughs) Later. In the offices of the federal authorities, we've got this signed confession. Trader auctioned off our military secrets to the highest bidder. Well, he's going to jail. Someday he'll probably be president of the United States, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> As for Quasimodo... Look at w- the villains with Quasimodo and their little page boy uh, hair wigs. Wigs, st- one of which is coming off. Uh, Just take them off. They're under custody. I- Quasimodo ran a rival gang who stole Trader's spy camera gimmick. That's why he ordered the dragons to seal Quasimodo's gargoyle. I, that's I don't understand. That's convoluted. I don't. I, imagine you join this gang, and part of what you have to do is wear a pageboy wig <laughs> and, a, and a, a hump. I would question the costume, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's got to be some sort of network of henchmen in this world who just go work for the highest bidder probably get used to doing whatever you're told i guess the next camera is these... that what that what that um what that movie's about what's that tom cruise movie that everybody i, I haven't seen any, any top of gun no no no, no war no, of the world mission impossible mm-hmm. yeah that whole series no they're like they're spies or something are they spies yeah god i have no desire to ever see those movies we've seen at least three of them How, are you sure yeah I, I... they're pretty forgettable but 
aren't they the same thing? Just Tom Cruise just running Tom around Cruise fast, mincing around, mincing around, saying, I'm not gay, I'm not gay. The next camera these spies will see will be the one used to take their mug shots. <laughs> the next day at the Daily Planet, Master Spies captured Olsen's a hero and invited back to Metropolis by Mr. Benson, who's going to be ousted as editor any day now. Anyway. And as we fade out, Jimmy Olsen, Jimmy Olsen is riding his motorcycle. Yeah. Riding out of into the sunset. Jimmy, Let's go, Rena. You owe me dinner, but I'll settle for a picnic lunch. Jimmy, you're the sweetest pupil a teacher ever had. The end. Nice adventure there. Well, I honestly... Jimmy Olsen, after it ran its 163 issues, uh, transmogrified into a comic called Superman Family, which was an anthology title featuring rotating stories of Jimmy Lois, Supergirl, Superboy, Crypto, Superdog, Superman, etc. So those were the only Jimmy Olsen solo stories I'd ever read. Okay. So I had my doubts about the effectiveness of Jimmy Olsen in a solo magazine Mm -hmm. that lasted for 163 issues. (laughs) But I guess I can see now how it worked. Especially if it involved Superman popping in at the last minute, saving the day. Oh yeah! Every Once you've got the you know these these uh, other superheroes sort of on the periphery, on the edges, mm-hmm. they're coming in, swooping in and saving the day, or helping the story move along. I guess it's okay. Yeah. And I guess if every issue was Jimmy undercover doing something, it's kind of like a Charlie's Angels situation, right? Oh, you could you're right, that. Bob. Yes. Um, only without the angels or Charlie. It's just Jimmy Olsen. <gasps> Do they ever have a Charlie's Angels comic book? You know, I don't know. Oh. Possibly? <laughs> Did you say possibly? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what do you think of Jimmy Olsen? Um, Looking forward to more? I, yes and no. Okay. You know, uh, yes, if... We can. I just accept that you know Jimmy is going to continue to have superheroes help him along in his adventures. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. You know, um, I liked Lois Lane's comic more than I liked this. Yeah, because it's a little zanier. Yes, and she's got Moxie. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, I'm not doubting Jimmy's Moxie. I think I'd like to see a little more, uh, a little more far-fetchedness from Jimmy Olsen, I've... like we saw in Lois Lane. And I'd like to see him driving the story, not so much reacting to it. I mean, he's he is essentially supposed to be driving the story, right. but but he is a pretty weak character in this this story. So this is based upon the one Jimmy Olsen comic that that sure, I've read. Sure, sure, yeah. Okay, well, we'll see where it takes us in the future. Yeah. Are you ready? For? Well, it's here at last. What? A DC original. What? The one and only serialized story in any romance comic magazine. A continuing drama about real people in real-life situations. Reach for happiness. Nice. Radio drama. Coming up next. Let's do it. And now, the day-by-day story of real people trapped in a whirlpool of life and death love and hate, laughter and tears, as the girls' young romance true love story players proudly present Reach for Happiness, Episode 1. 
pale corners basks under a hot midday sun. And to Karen Wilder Summers, returning home after a two-year absence, it seems... It seems as if I'd never left. <laughs> Everything looks the same. But, but, but can anything really be the same? Will anyone want me home now? Suddenly, her heart leaps at the sight of two dear, familiar faces. <gasps> Lila! Roger! Here I am! Oh, Lila, I'm so glad you and Roger came to meet me. So glad. There, there. If your godparents didn't come to meet you, who would? Oh, Karen, I can't tell you how sorry I was to hear about your husband. Oh, Lila, Karen doesn't want to talk about that now. Give the girl a chance to forget. Isn't Peggy here, too? Why, no, Karen. Your sister's having one of her blistering headaches. Come along, Karen. We'll drive you home. To someone who has been away, the lazy hometown scenes stab at the heart. Everything seems different and familiar at the same time. Lila, how could I forget to ask about your son? Richie must be about 17 now. How is he? Oh, about the same as he was when you left, Karen. If anything, a little worse. We just can't seem to get through to him. We can thank your father for that too, Lila. Let's not start on that now, Roger. Richie's going steady with Joni Peters. Oh, no, uh, not that mixed-up kid. Poor Lila and Roger. They sound as if they've had their hands full. But, just then, all other thoughts are blown like the wind from Karen's mind at the sight of... Greg! Uh, I, I, I suppose he's married by now. No, he hasn't married, Karen. I guess he's never gotten over you, honey. Long ago, I expected to become the wife of Dr. Greg Marsh. And I would have to, if... If, if Frankie Summers hadn't come along... Frankie Summers, Hollywood's brightest young star. How Danville Corners vibrated that quiet afternoon when the handsome young actor blazed into town. It was a familiar scene. It had happened before to the young star in a hundred different cities and towns from coast to coast. It's Frankie <laughs> Summers! It's Frankie Summers! <laughs> but what happened next was one of those million-to-one shots. One of those things that happened only in the movies. Oh, that girl. She's the most beautiful girl in the whole world. He, he's the handsomest man in the whole world. She wasn't the most beautiful girl in the world, of course. And he wasn't the handsomest man. But that is how people feel when they fall in love. And before long, at a table in Bradley's drugstore... I hate to sound like one of those lovesick characters I play in the movies, but the fact is, I've fallen head over heels in love with you. Have I got a chance? I, I don't know what to think or say. I didn't believe anything like this could happen to me. And and besides, I, I was engaged. We were planning to get married in the spring. What about him? But love had conquered her doubts and fears, and all that had remained was breaking the news to Greg. But Karen, you hardly know him. 
How can you be sure it isn't just the glamour of a movie star that has turned your head? I suppose no one can ever really be sure, Greg. All I can say is, I can't live without him, Greg. I must marry him. I... I understand, Karen. But what can I say except good luck? I'll never forget you, Karen. Oh, Greg. Greg, how can I do this to you? You've always been so kind, so good. But she had done it to him, and gone away for two long years. And now... I wonder, does he still think of me? Happily, there are new sights to see. New sights to chase old memories. As you can see, the Silver Club has been completely renovated. Hired by a new French chef and everything. The owner, Ray Silva, did he marry the girl he was going to, uh, uh, Rita Phillips? We really don't know those people that well, Karen. Here you are, Karen. What does it feel like to be home again? Now who's asking the silly questions, Roger? It isn't as if Karen was coming back on a visit, you know. Please, don't argue now. I'll see you soon, and, and thanks a million for coming to meet me. And now, nameless fears grip Karen as... I feel so terribly nervous. Uh, come in, Karen. No, 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 hello. No, welcome home. Nothing. Well? Well? How's your headache? Is that the excuse Lila gave you for my not meeting you at the train? Is there another reason? There's the real reason. I didn't meet you because I didn't want to. Peggy! Oh, stop acting so shocked. You know very well what I've got against you, Karen. You're talking about Mother, aren't you? You're still blaming me for her death. Well, aren't you to blame? You knew how deeply she resented your leaving Danville Corners and running off to Hollywood with your actor. Peggy, how unfair that is! I went to live with my husband in the city where he earned his living... Doesn't every married woman want to go where her husband works? Besides, you know how weak Mother's heart was. The doctor warned us that she didn't have very long to live. You know all that. So why are you blaming me? Oh, stop, stop, stop going on. I was here with her, watching her go, helpless to do anything about it. Peggy! <laughs> I know, it was terrible for you, but Peggy, you must stop thinking about it. There was nothing anyone can do, not you or me. I, I suppose you're hungry. I'm sorry I didn't prepare anything special, but there's some cold chicken. That'll be wonderful, Peggy. Peggy, I want to walk downtown and, and look around. How about coming along with me? I'm really rather tired, Karen. I'll just clean up and lie down for a while. Have fun. Soon, familiar scenes unfold slowly as Karen trods the pavements with mixed emotions. One moment, I feel as if I'd never left Danville Corners, and next moment, I feel as if I've never been here before. Finally, she pauses outside the offices of Dr. Gregory Marsh, M.D. Am I here by accident? Or did I deliberately come here hmm, to see Greg again? Well, why shouldn't I see Greg? He's still a dear friend of mine, and I'm sure he'd want to see me. 
tell the doctor you're here, Miss Wilder. I mean, Mrs. Summers. Greg must be doing well with a receptionist, fine office and all. Maybe he won't want to see me. Karen! Hello, Greg. Karen, I can't tell you how sorry I was to learn what happened to your husband. I meant to write, but somehow I, I didn't know what to say. I understand, Greg. What can one say at a time like that? <sighs> a time like that. The memory of it is still etched on her heart. Can anyone ever really forget? Frankie, please! You're going too fast! Tighten your seatbelt, honey. When I turn the next corner, I'll be going a lot faster. Can she ever forget the nightmarish scene that took place only breathless moments later? Can she ever forget the shock and the silence of what followed? in the twinkling of an eye, and Dr. Gregory Marsh, understanding, brings her back to reality. Look, I've got a great idea, Karen. Let's have lunch in that little place we used to go to. Dawson's. <laughs> but I've just had lunch, Greg. Fine, then you can have a second lunch. <laughs> oh, Greg, you haven't changed one bit. And so, soon in the subdued atmosphere of their once-favorite restaurant... Just like old times, Karen. Oh, Greg, is it like old times? I, uh, I once read somewhere that one can never go back. Oh, well, that all depends upon where you're going, and if you want to go back. We had grand times together, Karen. Yes, we did, Greg. And so, two people who once loved each other dearly meet again to laugh together, to dance and, for a little while, Karen is able to leave the cruel world of reality. Until... Golly, I've lost all track of time, Karen. My poor patience. I'd better get back to the office. Walk back with me? Sure. Almost like old times. Two people with memories to share. So after giving the patient a bottle of sugar pills for a week, he said he felt much better. Oh, Greg, that's funny. Here we are. Just let me see this one patient, Karen, and I'll run you home afterwards. Okay. A feeling of gaiety, the first in so long, fills her heart until... Hello, Rita. Remember me? I understand good wishes are in order. I mean, for your engagement to Ray Silva. <laughs> That's past tense, Karen. But as long as you're in the mood for good wishes, you can wish me luck on my engagement to Greg. N n no! But stop acting so shocked. You made your choice when you married your movie actor. Now that he's gone, you come back here trying to steal my fiancé. Well, forget it. The nightmare closes in. The voices sound as if they are coming from a hollow drum. 
and Karen battles a crawling weakness that turns her legs to rubber as... Is this what I came back for? So far, nothing but unhappiness has marked Karen Wilder's return to Danville Corners, but something surprising will soon happen to her in the second episode of Reach for Happiness, coming soon.